This episode will be the last of 2019 and it will focus on stablecoins, blockchain news and a little resume of this year. Have fun. Welcome to The Blockchain Lawyer, a podcast on technology and law. Dennis Hilleman is an accomplished lawyer with over 13 years of experience and a passion for creating a better future through blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive innovations. All statements expressed in this podcast are the opinions of the host and his guests only and are in no way legal or financial advice. And now, here is your host, Dennis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Blockchain Lawyer. This is episode 25. My name is Dennis Hillemann, and I'm happy you are here. It's first day, the 19th of December, and this is going to be the last episode for the year 2019. And I hope I'll see you all back in 2020. This episode will focus on blockchain news and mainly on the topic of stable coins. And I'll resume a little this year and look out what's going to be happening in 2020. So let's first start with stable coins. There have, has been an announcement for a new digital e-currency from France. And I want to give you a little insight on what we know so far. So several back countries worldwide are working on the development of um, their own cryptocurrencies. The trend is now also continuing in the EU country France. France is preparing to become the pioneer of state-sponsored uh, cryptocurrency in Europe. In the first quarter of 2020, the central bank in, St in France wants to collect project proposals in Paris and then test them. Even if no technical details are known yet as to how Paris uh, in imagines the implementation of a digital euro, it becomes clear once again that the Facebook-initiated Libra has become the game-changer for cryptocurrencies for everyone. But with this project, France is the superior in Europe. You know, Libra will be coming. I made an episode about that. I think it was episode 10 or 11. If you don't know about Facebook's Libra, go check it out. I'll go, I go deep into the project and my personal views on it. And, of course, this launched the debate and also the race about cryptocurrencies and more uh, focused even stable coins stable coins i explained that also in the libra episode stable coins are cryptocurrencies that are backed by real life assets such as fiat currencies uh, stocks sh shares or state loans so mainly such stable coins differ from other cryptocurrencies in by the backing of fiat currency and other um, assets, and also by the fact that they are not meant to be volatile, or at least not as volatile as cryptocurrencies are. You know, probably notice that Bitcoin went down quite a lot in the last months, um, and then only two days ago it went up for again for a thousand dollars, I think. So cryptocurrencies remain very volatile and stable coins are something that states are looking into because, of course, they can't launch their own very volatile cryptocurrency for an economy uh, that, is main, that is much based on stability. I mean, imagine 
the euro would be so volatile that in one day it would lose 10 or 20 percent of value or gain 10 or 20 percent of value that would be hell for the economy so it makes sense if you want to look into cryptocurrencies as a state that you look into stable coins china is very much ahead in that i also made one episode on china's race for digital for its own cryptocurrency and I also talked about how France is actually very much pushing for the euro. And now it seems that France wants to make the next step in that with their own cryptocurrency project. Um, they wa hope that by that they, they can secure state sovereignty in the uh, cryptocurrency market. And also secure on the European side because of the development of state currency, cryptocurrency in other countries. I also talked in the Chinese episode about how I think the Chinese will oppose uh, firms doing business in um, China to use their own cryptocurrency and therefore spread their own state cryptocurrency all over the world. So it's natural that other countries, and in this case, state, uh, France, will react to that. So France wants to have a central bank for the digital euro and the planned French central bank for digital currencies wants to test the digital euro initially only in interbank trade. So at the beginning, there's no introduction to the private sector. That means you won't be able to buy the euro in France as a single natural person. But it will be tested in the interbank trade. And the long-term goal is securing the European position of power in the payment system of the future. And the idea is, of course, that there will be a possible replacement of the dominance of the US dollar in the international payment system um, by one or more digital currencies. And, of course, France would like to see the EURO be one of these digital currencies. What I find very interesting, however, about the project is that France also plans to include digital currencies in the learning plan of the schools in France. After completing amendments to the curriculum, uh, schools will in future include a basic course on cryptocurrency in the lessons to teach school, school children how Bitcoin and co. can affect the economy and financial system. So this is... This is something that I'm very interested in, that France will actually teach their kids in school about cryptocurrencies and blockchain. And I wonder if Germany will do that sometime too, because if this can becomes a reality, if this becomes an actual big part of the economy, then of course we must teach our kids how that all works, at least the basic rules about that. And of course, if, t if kids know about that, that will also boost the technology. Another thing that I like about France that the Fran a French crypto startup uh, ensured that Bitcoin could now be paid in more than 5,200 tobacconists in the country. So France is very progressive in that case. And at the end of September 2019, several well-known French retailers joined forces to accept Bitcoin payments in more than 25,000 stores by spring 2020, including cosmetics uh, chain Sephora and sports retailer Dic Dicaflon. And something 
that France also did is that you don't have to pay taxes for altcoin exchanges. I don't know if you knew that, but the Treasury Secretary announced in September 2019 that there will be no tax if you trade one cryptocurrency for another. Only exchange for traditional fiat currencies triggers a tax liability. So in that case, France also creates security with a legal framework here for tax that trading cryptocurrencies against each other will not trigger tax liability. That's something that is also very progressive. And it's just the beginning of a fairly crypto-friendly tax policy in France. They want to be really advanced in that. In line with that, that France... Uh, that French insurers may now invest in cryptocurrencies. Parliament has adopted a legislative package that provides for this possibility in addition to various other objectives. And it just shows that France wants to really invest in the technology and will also open its own public sector for blockchain technology. In line with that, that Paris Saint-Germain, the team that is actually coached, at least at the time of his recording, by a German uh, coach um, Thomas Tuchel, which I really who I really like, and this club um, is in collaboration with the Maltese companies Socios, and the step aims to let international fans participate more in the club through blockchain. And details on the financial expectations for the corporations though have not yet been mentioned. And also, a growing number of French bookmarkers already accept cryptocurrencies for sports bets. So you see, there's a lot of going on in France when it comes to cryptocurrencies and uh, blockchain technology. So the idea of establishing a, an e-euro in France and therefore a stablecoin in the, within the EU, at least in the interbank sector, that is quite revolutionary. And France is moving ahead of Germany in that case. And I wonder if Germany and other European countries will follow that example pretty soon, if it works out in France. When it comes to the legislative framework, I think France is also doing well, though, as I already talked about in one episode of this um, this um, podcast, is Fran uh, Germany is speeding up with the allowance that German banks can now sell cryptocurrencies to their customers in, at the beginning of 2020. The French project is a little bit in line with uh, with Sweden. Sweden will also test the e-krona next year. They uh, work together with Accenture and will also only use that for at the beginning in the interbank sector. So we're going to see if Sweden or France will be the first to actually go ahead and be using stable coin solutions in the economy in 2020. I think that stable coins will do a lot in 2020 and that we'll be seeing much more races than that in, in the next year. If China comes up, then the US must follow because if China imposes on everyone using a cryptocurrency, I don't think that Donald Trump will accept that, that the dollar is not uh, on the blockchain yet. So I think that actually we'll be seeing a lot more stablecoin projects in the future. I know there's a lot of legislatory work currently and a lot of regulatory work being done in a haste because, of course, nobody knows how these cryptocurrencies, um, the stablecoins will affect the economy to the better, to the worst. No one knows yet. 
And therefore, we must also create the the knowledge about that, uh, and we must create the legislatory framework concerning stablecoins. But regardless of that, um, it shows that blockchain technology was spread a lot in 2020, and France might be one of the key players in Europe on that. But I think Germany is speeding up. We'll see. I think it's very interesting. Let me just resume a little bit for you what to, happened in 2019 um, in the legislation in the field of cryptocurrencies in Germany. And similar to the European Banking Authority, uh, ABR, the German Federal Financial Superfury Authority, uh, the BaFin, uh, fulfill its tasks uh, on the national level. The act of the implementation of the amending directive to the fourth EU money laundering directive, which enters into the force on the 1st of January 2020, was prepared with a chance of participation by the BaFin is the subject currently of much debate in Germany because it allows banks to do cryptocurrency and uh, cryptocurrency selling, cryptocurrency custody for the clients. So that is a game changer, of course, for the bank system. Through the formation and extension of the financial services, the draft the law, the new law manifests the provisions German administrative practice according to that that digital values such as Bitcoin or Ether qualify as accounting units. And currently this law is a purely German way to regulation without a majority in the European Union. And as I told in the other episode, um, there's now a definition for crypto values in German law. It's in paragraph 1, paragraph 11. And in Article 1, Paragraph Alf of the Credit Economy Law, law in Germany, um, Paragraph 11, Absatz 1, KWG. And uh, the definition of crypto value is digital representations of a value derived from the central bank or public agency has been issued or guaranteed and does not possess the legal status of a currency or money, but of natural or legal persons by agreement or Actual exercise is accepted as a means of exchange and payment of investment purposes and electronically transmitted, stored, and can be traded. Like, basically, the takeaways are crypto value means it's something digital that has not been issued by a central authority or central bank, but is accepted by agreement or by practice by people as a means of payment or security. That is a crypto value after uh, depending on German law now. Just to let you know, uh, the current discussion, there's also a lot of criti criticism for the new law. Although the legislative changes are intended to increase legal certainty to the area of cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, the new regulation raises concerns, particularly from the digital economy. There's been a lot of cri uh, criticism that crypto custody and the crypto deposit business are now financial services. And... Some say that is not desirable. We don't need a li whole license from the BaFin when it comes to cryptocurrencies. I don't agree on that because there could be a lot of, lot of money laundering, a lot of scam when it comes to cryptocurrencies. And also, I think it's necessary that only trade, only services that make sure that they are compliant with the law, especially explain the risks of cryptocurrency tradings to people, should be allowed in the market. So. I can't share that criticism. Then there's also quite a lot of critics that 
the definition of a crypto values should not be useful uh, which I also don't share because some people say it's not clear uh, what the issuer of a crypto value must undertake to take technical precautions against merchantability to ensure that the digital value has no investment purposes. I I don't agree with that critics either. Also, um, some critics state that it's not far okay that Germany does its own approach, while the other European member states have not agreed on something yet. And yeah, we can all agree on that because blockchain is global and blockchain is, of course, all over Europe. So if one country has a different cryptocurrency approach than the other, of course, that creates risk. But see, this is how law works, at least in the European Union. If you, if somebody doesn't start, then everything can take a lot of time. If now France and Germany, and maybe then later Italy, Spain, Bulgaria, Poland, if they all have their different approaches, maybe quite similar in some aspects, maybe different in others. But if they all overall have different approaches, that means that the mutual market in Europe is a little bit endangered because we don't have the same legal framework in every country. And if, that some, if we have a situation like that, it means that the European Commission will come into play. And then they will start a regulation on European level and possibly a, quite a quick one if blockchain technology is pushed ahead by the member states. So you see, it's good if some member states start with regulation and if the regulation is a little bit different in every member state because in the end it could mean that the European Commission is forced to do regulation and to start one and to not like postpone this project for a lot of time. So you should absolutely see the good thing about that. So anyhow, that's it for the news for this year, at least for my part. I think there's probably quite a few things going on still now with all the fuss also in the Bitcoin market. And possibly everybody's waiting now for the next move of Bitcoin and is waiting for what will China do when it comes to blockchain technology and their own cryptocurrency? What will Europe do? And especially, of course, what will the biggest and most important economy in the world do, the US economy? We'll see about that. Let me let me take a little resume of this year. Um, you know, this has been a fantastic year for me when it comes to blockchain. First of all, I started, of course, this podcast. I wrote a lot of articles on Medium. And it's quite cool to see that people actually interact with me uh, on this level because they say, hey, uh, your podcast is cool or some say you must, you must look into this in your podcast. And I get so many connections over that. And that's great. I learn a lot. I learn a lot from the people who contact me. So absolutely feel free to contact me if you want to share any opinions about my writing or my podcast, or even if you want to be a guest on it. Second of all, um, this year has been cool because I've taken part in a project in the German uh, Institute for Standardization, the Deutschen Institut für Normierung, uh, where we've been working on an industrial standard for blockchain, uh, privacy by blockchain design, which is all about blockchain and EU GDPR and data security. And, a lot so, and I met a lot of cool people in that. I mean, that's actually 
how I really came into a bigger community. I met people like Olga Stepanova and uh, Jörn Erbgut, Michael Kulein, uh, Christian Wirth and uh, Frederik Hansen and uh, Katrin Kirchert. Oh, I probably forget of quite a few cool people that I met there, so my bad. But it's just that I want to say thank you to all these people because I learned so much from each of one of you. And like Eshan Esena said in the last episode, the cool thing about the blockchain economy is that it's so open and that you can learn so much from uh, from so many people. And uh, there's so little competition from my point of view, even between startups that have different approaches because everyone wants to spread the idea of blockchain. And that's why I love to be part of this community and also like do something for this community because I, I am still 100% persuaded that blockchain is the number one technology for the internet future and it will absolutely shape how our digital economy will evolve in the future. So I'm glad to be on this ship and I'm glad to be a little, at least a little part in it by giving out some information, by sharing some experience, by networking and possibly, and that's an outlook for 2020, bring a lot more people onto this podcast. Um, we'll be starting at the beginning of January with Michael Kulein and then later in January we'll be having Olga Stepanova on this podcast, and of of course, we will be other people will be following. Just stay pay, stay cool. I've got a lot of plans for that, and also in Hamburg here, I became part of the uh, Hanseatic Blockchain Institute, which is absolutely a cool experience with the Blockchain Monday events for Blomo every Monday. If you are ever in Hamburg on a Monday, come check it out. Um, you, it's quite possible that you'll meet me. But you'll meet, you'll for sure meet cool people like Moritz Schild, one of the organizers, Avi Kubic, who's probably my biggest fan, and um, yeah, quite Christoph Stürmer. You you should absolutely come and talk to people, learn about them, and learn from them. And yeah, I also went this year to the OECD Global Blockchain Policy Forum in 2019 in Paris, where I spoke on privacy um, with Jörn Erbgut. He was also in the panel and um, Elastos was represented in the panel and Blockstack. Well, it was also a really cool event and it made me it made obvious how big blockchain and cryptocurrencies already are, how big especially the issue of uh, that Facebook Libra already is. And it was, of course, a very cool event. I love Paris. Um, even after the event, I could walk through Paris to my hotel and just thought, wow, blockchain made this all possible that I came here again. So also a good thing that's coming from blockchain. And I'm teaching lawyers about blockchain now. I'm teaching lawyers at my firm about blockchain. I'm having some ideas for law articles about blockchain. There will be new articles coming out next year. And I'm very much looking forward to next year and what blockchain will bring for all of us, especially, of course, for blockchain regulation, because that's my background, but also for all the other technical possibilities that will come out. I think 2020 will be a major year for blockchain especially when the stable coins come out and so blockchain comes into more and more into the mind and into the perception of people all over the world. 
So I'm very much looking forward for that. And I hope you'll be on board for 2020. And I'll have you back here as a listener or even a guest on the podcast, The Blockchain Lawyer. Thank you all for listening in 2019. And I wish you all a Merry Christmas if you celebrate it. Otherwise, have a cool vacation days. And of course, a Happy New Year. Much, much healthy, be healthy, much happiness, and have a great time with your family and friends. See you all. And if you want to reach out of me, you know where to find me on LinkedIn. Have fun. If you want to learn more about Dennis, please visit his website, theblockchain.lawyer, or connect with him on LinkedIn or Twitter. Until next time, everyone. 